BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a lighthearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. Everything looked really perfect. We had the brand new house. We had a good marriage. We were about to have babies. And I'm internally broken and crying. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. What? <laughs> oh, do I say? Oh, yeah, I ask you. you. Do you want to tell our new listeners who we are? I sure do. We have been best friends for over 20 years, met in high school, and have dealt with our fair share of trauma over the years. So we decided to create a podcast where we hear stories from everyday people who have um, stories to tell and no topic is off limits. That's us. And the last few weeks, we've been sharing a little get-to-know-us fact. So I want to know, what podcast got you into podcasting, like listening to podcasts? I believe the first podcast I listened to was Crime Junkie. And that would have been back in like 2017. And then they advertised for True Crime Obsessed. And then I went over to that one and then was became obsessed with podcasting and murder and all the things. Yeah. What about I, you? I remember asking a friend about podcasts. I was like, what's this podcast oh, all man. about? What is it? And oh, I he totally said, lied. What? What? <gasps> you heard I it totally here first. Lied. My first podcast I listened to was Serial Season One. Oh. Okay. All right, that that brought back a memory. Yes, I think that season is one was my first podcast. I bet because that's the Adnan Saeed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet that got a lot of people into podcasting. Oh yeah. So I asked a friend if he could recommend a podcast, and he recommended one called Throwing Shade, and oh. it has since rebranded, and now it's called Attitudes, and it. I think they've gotten a bit too big for their britches, if I'm being honest. They talk about, like, hot topics happening in the world, but they're funny about it. Oh, awesome. All of that. No, we weren't recording the whole... (laughs) We had it paused. We just had some of our funniest conversation. Should I say it again? Yeah. What were we even talking about? We were talking about how 
you were surprised the some lady came to get a oh, dresser yeah. and gave you forty dollars. Yes, and so I was surprised because if you're picking up something for free, then it's free. But she was very sweet, and I told my friend, and she said that she feels like people are inherently good, and I said I feel like people are inherently murderers. Then I posted that thing in the group, and most people are on the side of good, not murder. Yeah, um, I was surprised. I thought more people would. Yeah, me too. Yeah. She's she was supposed to have someone come into her house and hang her blinds, and his name is Steve. And I'm like, what do you know about this Steve? What? Who is this person? He's yeah, probably going to murder credentials? you. And she's like, I don't think like that. I'm like, okay, looks like you're going to get murdered, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm sure 100 <laughs> percent of the time that if I go to somebody's house to buy something, or oh, yeah. somebody's coming to my house, yeah, the end is near for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, how's it going? It's going okay. I feel like we started funny because we had to pause, but... I know. It's going. Most of the days this week, all of my kids went to school. That's great. So that's a win. I had some work drama. I talked about it on the Patreon if you want to get the download. Shout out to the Patreon. On my work drama. But I feel pretty good about it, honestly. I stood up for myself and I told them what I wanted. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Put on my big girl panties and... I hate that word. And yeah, yeah I just demanded... The things I need. Some respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And then what does she say? Take that and T-C-P. What does she say? I actually don't know. That's yeah. the only part that I ever sing. I don't even know. I don't know. How about you? How are you? Oh. I'm okay, except I woke up. I Last night at 10, my body just felt hollow, but twitchy, but sore, but off and so I went to bed and I fell asleep I woke up and like it feels like I'm swallowing razor blades Mm. and you know when you just have like a cold in your nose it's like Mm -hmm. congestion but like yeah it feels tickly or cold or there's just a sensation up there so I'm just my tactic is cold medicine and an obscene amount of water and coffee and yeah denial oh Denial is the best way to overcome an illness is what I found. I wondered if I felt weird because I got a cranial sacral massage. Yes. Okay. So the first time you said that, I thought you said cranial sacrum massage (laughs) and a sacrum is much different and in a different area of your body. And so Mm -hmm. I was concerned. Yeah. But when you told me you kept your pants on, then I was a little bit more relieved. My pants stayed on, but all my clothes did. Okay. I thought it was really cool. It was like, it, it, you got to believe a little bit in woo-woo stuff. How did you learn about it? Like your chiropractor um, or did somebody tell you like about it? Like my chiropractors talked about it. Dr. Quinn, my physiotherapist talked about it. Okay. And it's supposed to be really good if you have trauma, mm-hmm. like not physical, but just like life trauma. Yeah. It helps because your body will store trauma in different areas of your body. And I'm trying to figure rude. out why. I, rude. I know why my legs hurt when I walk for the last 18 years and so I was like I'm just going to come at it from all angles and maybe this cranial sacral massage will help and it felt really nice if nothing else it was very relaxing okay good and she does say that my liver needs some milk thistle so how did she come to decide that like she put her hand on my core and on my back and told me that's what I needed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know to be right. honest yeah I like I didn't ask for the details on how I just yeah. said 
And then she was like tugging on my earlobes and massaging my eyebrows and swinging my legs around. Did she say that you were storing trauma like anywhere specific? No, she didn't say specifically, but she did say the liver has something to do somehow. The liver and the low back. Maybe there's a chakra involved. I didn't. I'm awkward. I don't know. And so the nerves that go from the low back to the leg can be affected by your liver or chakra. I can't remember. Anyway, um, I'm going to go, I'll go see her again. Question. Yeah. How much did you pay this person? <laughs> well, she's a registered massage therapist. Okay. And so my benefits pay for it. Perfect. And it's the end of the year and I got to use them up. So yeah, absolutely. Nothing. Perfect. Then I yeah, yeah. Like I would, I don't have the, I don't have the funds to just oh, go yeah. and have my earlobes poked and prodded. <laughs> it reminds me of my acupuncturist because she does this thing where you hold like two, or she like puts this prong prod thing like on your hand and then maps out all these things and then she'll put it on your foot and maps it out. You know that Scientologist thing where you hold the two things and mm-hmm. it tells you whether you're. That's what it feels like. It feels like one of those machines. But then there's this chart and it will tell you like, this is what's happening with your liver. This is what's happening with your heart. Like all these things, yeah. and there's different colors. And I don't know what any of it means. And I don't know if any of it's real. Do Ear stuff. beads in a while? I haven't gone to my acupuncturist for a while because I moved. And so yeah. I, it's been hard to get there. But those are called ear seeds and they're amazing. And I fully believe that they work. But yeah, but then the, she'll do the acupuncture stuff and then I'll go back again and do the chart. And like the chart is better. So I'm like, okay, maybe you did something there. Yeah, I'm into it. The only other thing that I have going on, it's not even to do with me, but Olivia, my stepdaughter, is 12 Mm -hmm. and just got her babysitter's license. Mm -hmm. And she got her first babysitting gig last night. One of the younger figure skating kids, I think she's seven or eight. Her mom asked if Olivia could babysit and she lives nearby. She was so nervous and she's like, can you just come in? What do I do? Oh, that's so cute. I babysat so much when I was a kid. I started babysitting when I was like 11 and I would babysit for like a whole bunch of different families. But it made me think. Did you babysit when you were a kid? Yeah. Did you ever get a ride home from a parent who clearly had been drinking? Like you didn't maybe? really know what to do or didn't even think about it as an issue. But now that you think about it, you're like, oh, I don't think so. I remember being walked home by one of the parents because it was just like, I don't know, down the street. But no, I can't remember. But is this something that happened to you? Yeah, I remember like now that I'm thinking about it, I remember being in a vehicle with a dad dropping me off and you could I mean, like clearly smell alcohol on them oh. or they were acting a little funny and like when you're 10 11 12 you don't you're not really going to say anything but thinking yeah. about it now it's like god like if a parent ever did that with my kid i would murder them yeah our stance in order to make sure olivia does not get kidnapped and murdered or assaulted in any way is we need to know obviously who the people are that she's babysitting yes. for and we need to drive her there and pick her up okay good just because, you know, because you don't want oh, yeah. any... You, you think about it, anything could happen. As we both established, murder is the yeah. most likely scenario. I'm lucky that I made it out of the babysitting game alive at this point. Yeah. Wow. Something to think about. This is the wild 90s when we did it. Oh my God, no kidding. That's it. I feel like I need to go, I don't know, rip my throat out and take a Tylenol. Last week I had a migraine. God damn, I don't know. I got to do something about the salad that I ate because it's not agreeing with me. Oh, God. It's because it was a salad. What kind of salad was it? It was like one of those kits, like the guacamole one. It's good, but it's not agreeing with me. 
Yeah, that's awful. All right. I hope. Oh, my God. We didn't talk about anything. Oh, we didn't talk about our Patreon. We did allude to the Patreon that if you want my work drama... But what is a Patreon? I'm so glad you asked. A Patreon is a monthly subscription where you can get two bonus episodes per month that you will never hear on this main feed. We tell our own juicy stories. We have several other podcasters have come on our Patreon to share their dramatic juicy stories. We also have a video series, a once a month video series for our ultimate softies. And that Mm -hmm. comes out on Wednesday, December 7th or 8th. I can't think of what the date is. I feel like it's the 8th, but I don't know. Could be. Could be. It's great. And you get our whole back catalog. Mm -hmm. So we have over 65 episodes that you could just binge right now. That is a juicy Patreon. It's juicy. If I say so. That's juicy. Yeah. It's a good time. It is a good time. You should join us. Join us over on the Patreon. (laughs) I feel like we need a more official ad about it, but... maybe. But you know what? I listen to the Let's Go to Court Girls and they do the same thing. They just do it on the fly. Yeah, we're basically just like them. Oh, obviously. All right. Go get your groceries. I'm going to go get mine and have a great week. Yes, you too. And everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And everybody. If you're listening, I hope we both hope you have a great week. We do. God, we are off our game. Oh, man. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello, Emerson. Hi, Carling. Hi, Michelle. Hi. How are you? I am good. Chaos reigns in my life, so we're good. Yeah, I feel like that's standard for us. If things are too calm, it starts, things start to feel a little like, what's wrong? What Something needs to be chaotic. I know right now I only have two kids at my house and it's quiet and I'm like, yeah, this like is what weird. are you do with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, two kids and quiet? That's a recipe. Yep. Yeah. My friend picked up, she came over and she's, who wants to come with me? And three of them decided to go and two of them decided to stay. So it worked out. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. I was trying to remember when we first spoke. I feel like it was months ago. It might it have been, been in the, yeah, in the summertime. I don't know, but I've been really looking forward to connecting with you. I've been looking forward to this too, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. You emailed us. You sent in a form, which we love when people reach out to us. So why don't we start by having you introduce yourself? Maybe tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, where you're from, and then we'll get into where your story starts. Okay. My name is Emerson. I am a mom, a wife a bipolar artist, creative soul who just floats through life, I guess is the best way to put it. I work at the mermaid place that serves coffee. I love it. I don't know how else to introduce myself. I'm just me. I'm just yeah. Like, okay, I'm no, here. That's great. Your kids are older, right? Preteen teenagers? I have a 16-year-old and an almost 13-year-old. So oh almost God. fully teenagers. And yeah. I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready no. for the little one to be a teenager. No, it's like a switch is flipped and all of a sudden they're a completely different child and you're just like, I don't know how to parent you. I don't know how to do anything. He is really struggling right now. He has depression on his own and he's autistic and he has OCD and anxiety and ADHD. He's got a whole bunch of alphabet after the end of his name. 
But he's a really sweet kid who has yet to have his hormones shift. So he's like waiting for it, and we're all waiting. Like <laughs> his sister went through puberty at eleven. So we're oh like, God. where is it coming? Yeah. It's working. It's there. I know yeah. it's there. It's around the corner. Yeah. It's hiding, and I'm dreading it. Oh, yeah. oh no. I'm going to lose my sweet little boy. But it's part of life, and that's mm-hmm. what you get when you have life. You know? Yeah. You can't control it. Yeah. yeah. He's just so sweet and so considerate that I'm like, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. yeah. What kind of artwork do you do? I am primarily a photographer, or I was, but now I do a lot of abstract painting, and I tend to vary what I do. Like, I get bored, so I do other stuff. Like, photography's great, but I don't like taking pictures of all of the stuff, so I, it's like, I will take pictures of models. I've done a lot of art nudes, and go into galleries and stuff, but nobody buys them, so I don't, and I have to pay models, because that's how they get their bills paid. So, I just stop. And yeah. so now I paint because I can do that. I have canvases that I can purchase and I have paint I can use or I Amazing. knit. That's the other thing I do. I knit. Oh, that's an incredible skill. Painting as well. But yeah, my it's daughter fun. wants to learn how to crochet and I'm just like, I don't know how to help you with that. Yeah. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say there's probably a YouTube video for that. My mom tried to teach me how to crochet once and it ended up with her yelling and me crying and that was the end of it. It just didn't go. <laughs> That's why I love YouTube. I put my headphones on. I find the YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Awesome. So you reached out to us because you have, you, do you say you are bipolar or you have bipolar? Both. Okay. I, I, never I know am. One bi- is more appropriate. I don't know. I'm really not too concerned with the label of bipolar mm. anymore. Yeah, but I think when you get to us, I'm getting really close to 50, and for some reason that label doesn't bother me anymore. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I am bipolar. I have bipolar. Bipolar is just part of who I am at this point. Yeah. So I guess where does your story begin with your diagnosis with it and living with it? It starts in 2004 because it was the year I turned 30, and Mm. that summer we bought a house. And everything was going, supposedly on the outside, everything looked really perfect. We had the brand new house. We had a good marriage. We were about to have babies. And I'm internally broken and crying and like teenage anger we were talking about. It was that on a whole different level, so much more. And so my husband's like, what is wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. I've been like this for years. He's like, no, it's getting worse. Mm. And I'm like, but it's always there. This is how it's always been. And I'm like, no one's going to help me. There is no help for this. Because when I was 16 going through it, I told my mom and my mom was like, you're just a moody bitch. Yeah, that was the word she used. And she's like, you're just a moody kid. And this was after I told her I didn't want to live anymore. I wanted to unalive myself. Mm -hmm. I had a way to do it. And I was trying to explain this to her. And she's like, just go take a nap. It'll all be better after you take a nap. Oh, my gosh. That's when something was really starting to go wrong. Mm-hmm. At 19, stuff became bipolar because I had my first, di- what I could trace to my first manic episode. Fast forward 10 years later, my husband's like, we're going to get you help. I'm like, there is no help. No one's helped me in 10 years. No one's going to yeah. help me now. He takes me to my primary care physician. And she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm just moody. He's like, no, this is what happened. I painted an entire house in two weeks. Oh, Every my room. God. Bathrooms, bedrooms, kitchen, living room, house, two weeks. I didn't sleep. And he's telling her all this. And she's like, she's manic. 
like, no, I'm depressed. She's like, no, you're manic and depressed. What does that mean? She's like, you have bipolar. And I'm like, wait, what? Wow. And she's like, there's meds for you. We can help you. And that moment of absolute relief and clarity is the day Emerson was born. Wow. Like, I give myself a second birthday. That day, August 13th, 2004, is a whole new birthday for me. Celebrated every year. I get myself a present. I go get a coffee. I go do all the good things for myself because it's my birthday. Oh, wow. I think that's so typical when it comes to a a teen or someone in their early 20s who's going through something and it's being dismissed and it's being not taken seriously because you're just growing and you're going through all these changes, right? It's so difficult. Absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm speaking Yeah, and I'm telling people because it's like, and where I work, I I work with a bunch of very young people and for them, for the younger generation, it's, oh yeah, you have that. I don't care. Depressed. I don't care. Yeah. You have bipolar. I don't care. You have personality issues or mood issues or this or that. It's all brain chemistry to them. It's not, the stigma is breaking apart. And I love yes. that. Yes. yes. That's huge. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Did you know you can actually interview therapists? Yeah. yeah. You call and you say, hey, I need this. I want to, I'm interested in booking a session with you, but I'm interviewing. Right. Like job interviewing them. Yeah. And everyone I've told them, like, you can do that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you really can do that because you're in charge. They're your doctor. You, they work for you. Yeah. Yeah. I would say my relationship with a therapist is almost more intimate in a way than my mm-hmm. husband's relationship and I. Yeah. But it's, it's not. It's just because some people get really confused when they're like, you're just paying them to care for you. And I'm like, of their job but they're a third party who's giving me really good advice on how to clean up a lot of trauma yeah Yeah. i love it i'm a huge therapy advocate had you been going to therapy before your diagnosis i had not i tried at 20 again my mom was like you're just moody there's nothing you're gonna get fixed in therapy i'm like well i want to try because it feels really bad whatever i'm going through feels Mm -hmm. really bad right now Mm -hmm. and she was like whatever found a therapist and she's like, insurance covers this. When insurance stops covering stuff, you're going to pay for it. And it was $100 an hour 30 years ago. And I made $5 an hour working 20 hours a week. And I was like, I'm going to use all my money for one hour a week. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have money to put gas in my car. I'm not going to have money to go to see my boyfriend. I'm not going to have money to go eat. I'm not going to go on dates because he can't afford everything on his own either. And I went through a few sessions with the therapist and she's like, something's wrong between you and your mom. That was as far as we got. And I'm like, so she's like, the problems are with you and your mom. If you can keep out of your mom's sphere of influence, you'll be okay. It was what I got in five Mm -hmm. sessions. Yeah. All right. That's really hard to do when you live with the person. Yeah. yeah, and you're yeah. still a young adult who relies mm-hmm. on their parent mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Financially and everything, I relied wholly on my mother. My parents separated when I was eight, and my dad was out of the picture for a very long time. Wow. And can you think back? I'm, I always wonder with a diagnosis at 30, can you look back? You mentioned maybe being 16 and 20, but were there indicators there with what we know now about bipolar? Definitely at 16. By 19, I had my first manic mixed episode. I had a manic depressive aunt, which is the old term for bipolar. Whenever I'd be around her, she was con- she was unmedicated, untreated, and very unstable. 
So whenever I was around her, I would feed off of this and I'd feel worse than I'd ever felt in my life. And no one was like, everyone's like, you're just moody. Leave Aunt Rose alone. Stay away. My mom brought Aunt Rose to live with us for three weeks. And I went off the deep end mentally Uh and we couldn't figure out why. But it was my problem. No one was going to help me. And so I'd say 19, I was fully bipolar. I have once you have your first manic episode, they're like you're bipolar, whether it's continuing manic, once manic, once you've had a manic episode, they're like you're no longer depressed, you're bipolar. It changes your treatment, changes your medications. Wow, that's so interesting. I can understand that generation of being like, you're fine, you're just moody, go for a walk, go drink some water, like you'll be fine. Because that generation, they're not talking about mental health. And if somebody is having a mental health crisis, it's a very negative experience. It's a very, well, there's something wrong with them. It's not that there's something going on chemically. It's what did they do or what have they done to get them in this situation? My mom was like that too. It's like, if you go to therapy, they're just going to find a reason to blame everything on me. And it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if you're worried about being blamed, what'd you do to get blamed? Right? My mom was so adamant that I was perfect. Anytime anything ever happened that made me less than perfect, she cried. It was trauma to her. Yes. Even though it was me. And I'm like, no, this doesn't, this isn't adding up, mom. This isn't about you. This is me. This is Mm -hmm. me having a health crisis. But you're not perfect. I'm like, I don't want to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So she built you up to be this way. And then when you weren't, she felt like she failed or did something wrong. But like you said, it wasn't about her. My mom was a nurse. It was never her fault. It was always everybody else's fault. I say that because as I went through therapy, I've heard from my therapist, like, your mom did that? I'm like, yeah, mom did that. They're like, that's not normal. I'm like, what do you mean it's not normal? That's my life. Yeah. It's crazy. And my mom was much older when she had me. So when you're talking about an older generation, it was very much, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Everything's talked about in my house. There's nothing, like last Mm -hmm. night I had an emotional release breakdown. And I did it in front of my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys have to see me do this. And you have to see me pick it back up. And they're mm-hmm. like, this isn't cool, mom. I'm like, no, but it's legitimately what happens in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It started with me being overstimulated. We were making dinner and dinner wasn't going well. And my husband mm. was listening to something insanely annoying to me <laughs> <laughs> on the radio. I was just like, you know what? I've got to go. I've just mm. got to peace out. I've got to go in the dark. And I sat in the dark and then I came out and no one checked on me an hour later because no one did. And that's what set me off. I was like, right. all I wanted was someone to go, you okay? Yeah. But that didn't happen. So mom broke down. Yeah. And I think that's important for kids to know that moms and dads go through it too. When you were diagnosed, you at 30, you didn't have kids yet? No. No. And so what was your experience going on medication And did it take a few different medications? Was it a lot of trial and error? The first one was Symbiacs. I remember writing it all down one day. And the Symbiacs was a combination of a mood stabilizer and Prozac. So it was going to treat both prongs of bipolar, the the mania and the depression. And I had great luck with it for six months. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is amazing. And then the Prozac was too much. So they split the, they're like, we can't lower the dose so they split the pills and I took the mood stabilizer at one strength and the Prozac at a different strength. And that worked for a really long time. Once we decided to have my oldest, I went off my meds with the permission of my doctors to have babies. I was like, you, we weren't supposed to medicate and have children at the same time. So I was unmedicated and home having a baby. I 
went to the hospital. I did all this stuff there. When my daughter was born, I had postpartum depression. And they gave me back my mood stabilizer and my, back to the Prozac. And that worked again for another two years. Went off of it again to have another child. And that pregnancy did not go well. I ended up losing that baby. Oh. And I was unmedicated. And after the loss, I was struggling so badly. I had a psychotic break. Like, I should have been admitted to the mental institution. I should have been given intensive therapies, intensive in-person care, and... My psychiatrist at the time was like, no, you're fine. Here's your pills. Go off and be fine. But if you want to have another baby, you can't because you have to be medicated and I won't treat you unmedicated, but you won't let me have. So it was like either stay with him and stay on meds and have one child or find another doctor and have another child. I didn't like his attitude because he wouldn't let me question anything and input anything. So I found a new doctor and after my son was born the meds stopped working. So I had to, that's when the trial and error started. I tried Lamictal, Respiridol, Depakote, Lithium. What else was there? It was like 20 months of different medications. Oh my gosh. And nothing was working until I went back to the atypical antipsychotics that work for me best. That is such a scary time when you're trying to f- sort out your medication because they say that it takes up to six weeks to actually feel balanced on them. So then the up and down and the trying this and this doesn't work. Let's go back to zero. How dangerous is that? I wish I knew the statistics on that because that's amazing. I had a newborn. I had a a three-year-old and I couldn't, they were my whole purpose. Mm -hmm. And my husband's like, don't give up. Don't give up. We know what's going on. Don't give up. Right. Okay. And my doctor didn't believe I was taking my meds. She thought I was on like med holidays and not doing what she was telling me to do. Until she put me on the lithium and she's like, I'll know in about 24 hours if you're lying to me. And I'm like, I'm not lying to you. It's fine. I go back to her office the next day with my blood work and she's like, yeah, it's at high therapeutic levels and you're this sick. She's like, it's not working. Oh my gosh. And it's, I was okay with it because she's like, I was a new patient to her. So she didn't know me. And a lot of Mm. mentally ill people don't take their meds when they start feeling better because they think, oh, I'm better. (laughs) All better. I'm all better because of that little pill. I am rigidly medication compliant. I have reminders on my phone and I take them every day. Mm -hmm. I don't mess around because I remember what it was like to be sick. And my kids Mm. remember what it was like when I was sick. I lost a bottle of pills last month. Like they got, they went missing in my house. Couldn't find them. I called my... And I tore my house apart, gone. Call my insurance provider. They're like, yeah, we'll give you another bottle. What happened? I'm like, I have no idea. I think they got thrown out in the trash. And they're like, oh, okay. So they approved an emergency refill. But while we were waiting for that emergency refill to come through, everyone in my house was waiting for me to go nuts. God, that's got to be stressful. It was. Yeah. It, It was that and all this other stuff was going on. And I'm like, I really need my meds. I really need my meds. Mm -hmm. And I was fine because the half-life of what I'm on gave me like two days unmedicated without much fluctuation until the new meds showed up. But I was like, my daughter's like, please don't tell me you're going to go unmedicated, mom. I'm like, no. She's 16. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I have to deal with. I feel guilt for that. And I take a different mood stable. I was on 
Going back to the original question, I'm not losing you, I promise. No, you're good. <laughs> the, the mood stabilizers I went on after my son was born and he was two worked for another 10 years and then they stopped working when I hit menopause. So I had to find new meds recently. But luckily, not luckily, medication companies really want to make a buck so they keep finding new meds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's new medications for bipolar out right now and they work well for me, okay. but they're not cheap in the United States. Yeah, I was really lucky. I always say lucky versus blessed because I'm an atheist. Mm. And it sounds like if I say I'm blessed, it means somebody else gave me something. If I say I'm lucky, it means I worked at it and the odds were in my favor. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky in the fact that my husband had time off at his job that he was at when I was really sick. And he would take a day here and a day there. He had paternity leave and he was able to take time to care for me and the children. But when I was in crisis, it was a lot of, I didn't work because I couldn't handle the stress of working and all the other stuff. Crisis points are bad. I think for me, I wish somebody could find out why everyone's chemical imbalance or how the meds, they still say, we know this med works. We don't know why this medication works though. Right. Find out why so that we can help more people. That crisis points don't keep happening in multiple families and destroying so much. Yeah. Yeah. I've been incredibly lucky in the fact that my husband, he went into government work so he could get Mm. me government benefits. So he chose a path to take care of me. Yeah. He's a federal employee in the United States right now. We have, the benefits I have are one to two levels below what they offer Congress. My meds are covered at a high level, and I receive care that most people don't have access to. We sacrificed other things for those benefits. Like My husband's he finally got where he wanted to go. He originally wanted to be a park ranger out west when we met. And I loved (laughs) that for him, but after we met and we decided to get married and have children, he decided to go into, he's always worked with his hands, so Mm. his hands support the family. But his brain does, too. But the benefits that we have because of the way his hands work and the way his brain works and the way he's neurotypical. He much to his he makes jokes about how neurotypical he is in a house full of (laughs) non-neurotypical people. (laughs) I'm like, it is a blessing Mm -hmm. in a way. But it's not a blessing because he works at it. He works with me. He works for me. He works with this. He works with that. And. I got off track. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Well, well, I think we were talking so... about benefits, right? Just like, it's, yeah. like some people just don't have access to it. And it's so terrible. Healthcare, medical healthcare, mental healthcare is physical healthcare. Absolutely. I will tell my kids every day. I'm like, are you having a bad day? Mm-hmm. My daughter on Friday, Thursday night was just like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, do you need a day off? And she's like, I do. And I'm like, do you have anything due in class tomorrow? And she's like, no. And I'm like, Mental health day. Check yes, out. Absolutely. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah, we take and mental health days all the time. You've got to. Mm-hmm, because yeah. if you don't, nobody wants to be sick. But if you don't take care of your mental health, you do get sick. Um, yeah. My daughter is being evaluated for bipolar right now. We think mm. she's bipolar. But the difference between her circumstance and my circumstance is I learned a lot struggling and I took her instead of going we went to the pediatrician and the pediatrician's I can give her an antidepressant 
but I don't think that's a good idea. And I'm like, I don't either. So we go to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist, I'll give you an antidepressant. I don't think that's the best solution because, and then we started talking my history and what happens. And the psychiatrist was like, you know what? I think mom's right on this. We're going to go mood stabilizer versus antidepressant. Because if you take an antidepressant as a bipolar person without a mood stabilizer on board, you go manic. And that's almost worse than depression. Right. And I think that's the part that it's like learning how the meds work and Educating yourself and advocating for yourself is really important. And you advocate to your doctor and you're like, hey, doc, or hey, I go to a nurse practitioner because she just listens to me Mm -hmm. and she reads the notes from my other practitioners and she's like, yeah, I believe in this and I do this and I do that. She listens. And that's why. And finding that is really tough. I just swapped therapists like six months ago and I'm still trying to figure out a new normal if I like the current person I'm with. Right. I had a person before we moved two and a half years ago during COVID and I had an amazing therapist and an amazing psychiatrist. And I gave up both of those for my husband's job. And I was like, I think we want to move. And I'm like, I'll find somebody. It'll be a little rough, but I'll find somebody. It was rougher than we anticipated. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't need to shift my meds during the move. And I'm not on controlled substances in the sense that I'm not taking benzodiazepines and I'm not taking narcotics or... What's the right? My ADHD meds were not speed related, so they weren't amphetamines. So I didn't have to be carded when I went to the no controlled substances. So my general, my new general practitioners could stay on my meds that my old practitioner had in play until I found a new one. And that's a lucky thing, but not everybody gets that lucky. And there are so many out there that don't work. And so do. And then what works for me doesn't work for you. And then I'm really lucky to have my husband who supports me. Well, I was going to say, I loved hearing how I think so many relationships might have crumbled and been destroyed in the process of getting a diagnosis like that. The fact that it seems like you guys really approached it like a team and he really advocated with you and for you is so incredible. I think for a lot of people, it can be so polarizing and the opposite thing could happen. Yeah. I will literally say to him, you saved my life. In the physical sense, he saved my life. In the emotional sense, he saved my life. In Mm -hmm. so many ways, he saved me. And I give him all the credit for that. And he's he gets really uncomfortable. Like he gets he blushes and he's like, stop. Take some credit for being that guy. Take some credit for being there to support me and hold my hand and not give up on me. He's amazing. I am so fortunate to have him. My kids are so fortunate to have him. Uh, I always have this one theory. You're always going to get one miracle in life. You're going to get one really good thing in your life. And I don't know when it happens. Like some people win the lottery. Some people have a great career that they're really successful at. For me, I found my husband. And he's my miracle. Because from him, every amazing thing has followed. We've been together 28 years. We've been married for 23 of those years. Without him, I would not be sitting I would not be able to talk about any of this without him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you guys meet? He was visiting friends at the university I was attending, and we bumped into each other five times in one day. Oh, my gosh. The fifth time I was like, hey, I need to go run and tell somebody something, but just stay right here. I'll be right back. Came back (laughs) thinking he's never going to stay. Five minutes later, I walked back to where he's like, hey, I'm here. And I'm like, hey, you're here. We got to talk. And we just we started talking, and that was the beginning of everything. 
Oh, that's the cutest story. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like we are, we met at 20 and we were such babies. Got married at 25 and kids right after I was diagnosed at 30. Wow. He's amazing. I don't know if you want to talk much about family or anything, but do you have support from family either on your side or on his side? No. No. I went no contact with my family of origin nine years ago. Um, Wow. Wow. My mom was suffering from a lot of things, but she was not a healthy person. I don't Mm -hmm. want to say she wasn't a good person because she had her good points and she Mm -hmm. wanted to be a better person than she was, I think. But she didn't realize what she was doing to me my husband she would say things critically about him or me my children or the way I was never good enough can't you snap out of this can't you not do this and I'm like I'm suffering this is not a choice Mm. and the final straw was when she started instead of doing verbal abuse and emotional abuse to me she twisted it and started targeting my oldest I was like I know we're done yeah Yeah. isn't that amazing that you can take so much personally but then as soon as it affects your children, you're like, no. No, mama bear. No more. Like, no. Yeah. She was very manipulative and abusive. She would use money to control us. Like mm-hmm. she'd help. She'd be like, oh, I see you're struggling. Here's whatever amount of money we needed. But then she expected me to cater to every whim she had. And I did yeah. because she had yeah. just bailed me out. It got to the point where she had Alzheimer's and everyone's like, it's the Alzheimer's. I'm like, no, it's not the Alzheimer's. It's been like this for 20 years, and now it's going to my kid. I can't do I just can't. I can't watch her attack my kid. It was my little mirror image. Yeah. The last straw was my mom was like, she just doesn't want to be around me. She's just being a little B-word. Yeah. Like, no, she's seven, mom. She's incapable of being that at this point. She's a difficult child, absolutely. All kids have their difficult moments, but that's not what this is. Yeah. And when she did that, it wasn't much longer before I went no contact. It's pretty much been me and my husband against the world for 20 years. But we have each other. Yeah. And we get each other in a way that most people don't get. Other people are really lucky. And you're teaching your children that there are boundaries. If they're not helping you, they're hurting you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not building you up. They're tearing you down. And Mm -hmm. that's not what you need to have in your relationships. Yeah. Yeah. My oldest is gender fluid. So I say daughter because she was born female, but I can say he, she, they, mm-hmm. son, whatever, and yeah. Yeah. they don't care. But that's a bl- that's another gift from them to say, I don't care what you call me, mom, as long as it's nothing negative. Oh. Not every kid gets that. We try to honor their wishes as best we can. Very amazing kid. Both my kids are amazing in their own ways, but yeah. we've taught them what you get what you put out and if you're not getting what you need back from somebody you've given everything to you need to find something better yeah so don't be afraid to say this isn't working and it's okay to say that yeah I think a lot of us are afraid because of guilt or because it's your family it's your parents it's your this it's your that they've done so much for you it is that struggle to be like do I really cut them out of my life do I really do this What are the consequences? I did so much mental healing in the first two years of no contact with my mom and her family. Mm -hmm. It was astounding how far I'd come. Wow. Wow. Like, it was things I couldn't function and do before I was able to do again. And that's really telling because it's like nothing I was ever good enough. We lived two and a half hours apart from my mom. And I would drive up to every week to pick her up, bring her back to my house, drive her back to her house. 
but her family was telling me I wasn't doing it enough. They wanted me to move from where my husband was working in our home back to her. And then the abuse continued. And I was like, it's abusive all around. It's this, it's that. I just, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. So I just didn't do it. I was her powers of attorney. And I got a notice in the mail, you're no longer the powers of attorney. I was like, really? Did they really just give me the key to the handcuffs? Oh, my gosh. I looked at my husband, and I'm like, dude, look at this. I think I just got the keys to the cage. Wow. He's like, I think you did. And I'm like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. I went, I was on her bank accounts, and they're like, well, we can't close and take your name off. We have to mm-hmm. close the accounts. I'm like, close them. Yeah. Cashier's checks and I sent cashier's checks back to her and her family. I was like, I'm done. You had mentioned a little bit ago about your husband really helping you be able to talk about this and share your experience. So you've talked to us a little bit about maybe starting a podcast. Can you tell us like a little bit about that project? The podcast is called Perfect Psycho Insane. It is after an art project I did to complete my BFA. I talk about being bipolar. I go on when I'm depressed. I go on when I'm manic. I record the moments that not everyone wants everyone else to hear. Because I'm like, you got to know. I think my intro episode, I was depressed. And I was feeling it. And I just said, I'm depressed. This is what it looks like right now. This is what I look like right now. This is how I feel right now. And that's okay. Because it'll be different tomorrow. But this is today. And I think it's really important to put a voice. It's part diary, part explanation. Just, it's part of just, it's my life. It's a glimpse into my everyday. And I found that by sharing through that, it's very cathartic for me. It's like free therapy with a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> My therapist just happens to look like I do. I, so it's, what did I learn today? What did I grow today? How did mm-hmm. I do this? I think by humanizing, I think that's mm-hmm. the best thing I can do is lend my voice, humanize bipolar. Because every time I hear the news and some, there's been a shooting or there's been an incident and it comes out that there is mental health involved, mm-hmm. like they're dehumanizing the issues again. Mm-hmm. making it about this or about that. And I'm like, there's so much in between. There's a lot of people like me. And there's a lot of people who want to do more or want to be helped and want to do better. They just don't have access. Like I said, I'm supremely lucky. I will yeah. forever owe my husband a debt. I told him last night, I said, I owe you a debt of gratitude. He's like, you don't owe me anything. I just want you to love me. And I'm like, I do. But if you were to pull apart our relationship layer by layer, it's healthy, but there's also trauma bonds because he Mm -hmm. went through trauma with his parents. And then there's my traumas. And we bonded over that because he has trust issues. and He trusts me and he trusts his kids, but he doesn't trust a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. And I find I'm very careful with that. His trust to me is a gift. And I don't want to abuse it. So I treasure that. And I treasure him. We're like two sides of the same coin. I say we're soulmates, not twin flames, because we're separate individuals who can live without each other. We choose to live with each other. Yeah, that's so special. Yeah, I I like that. And your podcast isn't launched yet, but it's hoping to be maybe by the end of the year? Hopefully by the end of the year. Hoping to launch on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, all the biggies. I have a friend helping me do it. She's amazing. This is her business and she's just, I've been so grateful to have her support. Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a lot of work to kick off a podcast to get it going. Yeah, I'm so yeah. supremely lucky. 
Like, yeah. I'm one of the luckiest people on the planet. My meds work. I have a good husband. I've got some good friends. They may not be DNA, but they're family, and I'm just mm-hmm. so lucky. Yeah. I'm weird. No, it's no, good. I love it. A lot of people here, you don't look depressed. You don't look bipolar. You don't seem you don't seem this way or that way. And it's okay, but I am. And you're not always going to see me in my down moments because I'm medicated or I'm working my ass off to seem okay. But I still have this and this is who I am. And to be able to show that is really important. I think for me, it's the art piece that named my podcast. I photographed myself at my lowest and at my highest. And I was really stable when I did the piece, but... It's really easy when you start going through your journals or your previous artwork and you're like, wow, I remember that feeling. Everything to me is through a cracked glass. Nothing like a cracked mirror. I look at myself through a cracked mirror. It's the right vision of myself because there's always like a hundred of me in there. Mm-hmm. Right. But you never know who's yeah. going to be there that day. Yeah. A running joke in the house is my husband's ringtone for me is the theme from the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> and he picked it. He literally picked it because he likes the music. He's like, it's a good ringtone. I know it's you. And I'm like, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. You don't know what you're going to get. The good, oh the bad, gosh, or the ugly. That's yeah. So funny. I think it's perfect. It's just, it says everything. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to see the humor in it. Oh, funny. Oh, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. And yeah. I, prefer, I prefer laugh lines versus tears. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're so thankful that you reached out and came and shared your story because I think these stories, we've interviewed a few people with bipolar and they obviously have their differences, but they're also really similar and we need to be talking about this more. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for letting me come on and share. I greatly appreciate that. It has been amazing. I needed this today. So thank you. Oh, good. I'm so glad. And once you get your podcast up, we will share it and tag it and all of that. So hopefully more people will listen. I appreciate that. There is a blog and there is a small, it's starting, but it's all under perfectpsychoinsane.com. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'll put that link in the show notes so people can find it. It's right now a very small blog, but there's some pictures and there's some pieces and I'll, everything will be based there once I actually get everything up and running. Yeah. That's awesome. We'll let you enjoy the rest of your day, but we will hopefully talk again really soon. Absolutely. I'm very big on nonverbal communication, so I've been doing okays and thumbs up and nobody sees that but you guys. Yeah, no, that's good. (laughs) I'm a dork. I love it. Yeah. Aren't we all? I live for my dorkiness. It's everything. All right, Emerson. We'll talk soon. Have a good day. Thank you, Carling. Thank you, Michelle. Have a wonderful afternoon. You You too. too. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. Thank you so much to today's guest and to everyone for listening. If you're enjoying the show, there are many ways that you can help our podcast grow. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Join us on our Patreon. Follow us on social media. Check out our merch store. Share our show with your friends. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please message us on IG or Facebook. Have a great week and thank you so much for your support. Bye. Bye. Why are they still here? I don't know. What should we do? Mm -hmm. I guess I'll just turn up that outro music. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. 
by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.